Today, let's talk about cybersecurity in the OT world. How do you know if you're really secure? And what do you do if you're not? An industry under pressure. Innovation in its finest hour. This is the Oil & Gas Technology Podcast, where sharp minds reveal the brilliance and sheer determination turning great ideas into new realities. Hear about how it happens in real life with your host, Michael O'Sullivan. The views of the host are expressly his own and should not be construed as the views of Nutanix or any other corporation, consortium, governing body, or interplanetary federation. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode. Before we get to our guests, we got some great guests today. This is going to be a really interesting dimension of things that factor into the digital transformation for oil and gas. But before we get to that, I want to remind everybody, please go to your favorite podcast app, leave a review. And that is the only way that we know how to improve the show. It's the only way whether we know if you are happy or sad about the show. So please leave reviews. If it's a five-star review, we love that. If it's a one-star review, tell us what we're doing wrong, and we'll try to make it better. Our guests, I'm sitting here today in the office at Security Gates. Really cool place you guys have. It's a really like, it was an interesting little stop on the I-10 feeder road. I had to kind of back up and circle around and talk to the person on the speaker while the guy was trimming the hedges in the uh, right there next to me and but they let me in re- remarkably so that's yeah. good that's good you're <laughs> on the you're on the list yeah the list. so but you have a it's a cool office like nice open spaces yeah it's it, we've got to attract you know during covid we all started working from home so we like to keep this place a place where you know people enjoy coming to work and be innovative you know yeah Good. So that is the voice of Ted Gutierrez, who is the CEO. Good morning. Thanks for having us. Of Security Gates. And we also have... Ashley Garcia. I'm the Senior Customer Success Lead here at Security Gate. Yeah, real, really excited to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, no, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be good. So first thing is, if you look up Security Gates, you're going to see that you guys got something to do with cybersecurity. Why don't you tell me, so Ted, you're CEO, are you founder? Yes. Okay. Yes, I'm one of the co-founders. So just like quickly, how'd you get into this? Yeah. So my co-founder and I both came from the operator world. So I was managing risk for third party at Shell and she was at Enbridge. I mean, she was really the OT and the IT cybersecurity budget holder. We both put our heads together, recognizing that there just wasn't an efficient way for critical infrastructure companies to assess their risks and build a plan on how to fix it. You know, a lot of the standard tools out there were, you can do it yourself with like a spreadsheet. You could call on a consultant to come in, but there really wasn't like a, a de facto solution. And so we decided to build it and it was about three and a half years ago. And today we're happy to announce that, you know, we're becoming quickly the the de facto software as a service for cybersecurity, specifically for critical infrastructure. So been on the run for about three and a half years. We're based out of Houston, got an incredible team of human beings that have, have rallied together to really, you know, build out this, this software and this team and this company. And, and, and it's a real pleasure to be here today. Cool. One of that spectacular team is here. And customer success, which a lot of people may not know that customer success doesn't, isn't just a general term that means you're in charge of making sure that customers are successful, but it's an actual discipline within the software business, right? And it's came about fairly recently. So are you a, how did you get into the customer success business? And what does that, what does that look like? Sure. I've been in IT for the last 12 years and specifically cybersecurity the last five was in sales world for the longest time and transitioned four years ago into customer success. So 
yes, the primary function is taking care of our customers, making sure they're happy, they're seeing value out of the product, they're optimizing and maximizing the use of the product and services that they have. And so that's the core function. But I also take care of onboarding, training. So everything really customer-facing. And, and, and a lot more, if I may say. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's a, a small company, so in our case, yeah. yeah. Those, in our case, I do a little bit of everything because I have the sales and marketing background as well. So I do kind of help out with some of those projects as well. And, you know, every day I get to do something new, something different. My days are never the same. And that's what makes it really exciting. Good, good. Yeah, there's a lot of people who have, there's a lot of customer success converts because customer success as a discipline like came into being really as a result of software subscription business, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. because of a lot of a lot of factors, but like customer success became a thing one day. And, and so there's a lot of people who have like stories where they came from a sales background or they came from a technical support background and they're like now customer success converts, right? And so yeah. you kind of carry the flag for that. Yeah. That's cool. I think it's interesting because in the software world, you know, many of the buyers or users of our software, they have a lot of information they can find online, right? And so in our world, by the time somebody looks and says, I really want to learn more about your solution, they pretty much made their mind up if there's a fit. And so customer success was actually, you know, Ashley's role and and her team and her, her capabilities was the first investment that we made outside of the product team before we made an investment in sales, believe it or not. Yeah. It's a reverse model. Because we recognize that making sure that a customer is happy and making sure they're successful are not always the same thing. Sometimes they are and you hope they are, but fundamentally our job is is not to just provide a product. It's to provide an experience that makes them as a team or he or she as an individual more successful in their role. And right now, you know, whether it's digital transformation, whether it's cybersecurity, whether it's digitization of a lot of tasks from an efficiency perspective, all of these are challenges that particularly the oil and gas industry is is challenged with, right? And so, you know, Ashley's been on for over a year and a half, I think, right now. And and she that investment in the customer success very much goes into what you just said is right. it's it's a very big position specifically for SaaS companies. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Cause you want to make sure that people are you know, they're only paying as they go, right? So you got to right. make sure that they're getting value every day. Well, that's the, that's the catch. It's a different kind easy of model. Easy on, easy off. Right? Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. the way it's supposed yeah. to be. It, it forces yeah. the companies, the product companies, to continue to delight. One of our very early advisors taught us that. It's like, how are you delighting the customers, not just serving them? So we like that responsibility. It's yeah. good. It's good. It keeps you sharp, keeps you, I mean, you have to keep innovating and keep, you know, creating new ways to add value. So speaking of which... We mentioned digital transformation. We mentioned cybersecurity. You know, people might not think about cybersecurity all the time when they think about about digital, particularly in oil and gas. You know, I know that people are thinking about these things. Just for context, for people that are listening right now, when we talk about, because most of the time people, when you say cybersecurity, they think about having like, like virus detection on their laptop and things like that. But in the operational environments in the oil and gas industry, what do you, what's in your heads when you think about, you know, creating value for customers in the way of cybersecurity? Where are the real areas that need to be addressed, protected, planned for, et cetera? It's an interesting question. And I think what you're asking is, you know, what are the, what are the value propositions of investing in cyber if you're in the oil and gas space, right? In, yeah, particularly, particularly, I think, in the operational environment right. as opposed to like just to the user's desktops. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's two different sides of it. And for some of the accelerated, you know, learning folks, 
in the audience don't know this, but for people that don't, there's a real difference between what we call IT, which is information technology. It's traditionally been what are linked to computer systems and antivirus software. It's generally about giving people access to information. So how do we connect all these computers so that we can all talk sure. to each other, right? right. But there's been in the last, say, decade or so, a real increase in the overall market of operational technology. And that is when you have some type of operational machinery that makes a chemical plant work effectively. It makes a midstream pipeline work effectively. And in a lot of cases, upstream as well, and offshore rigs and, and in land rigs. What you have is you have major pieces of machinery that are programmed not to talk to each other. They are actually programmed to open and close at a certain time. And so it is a total inverse of what IT is. And so what started to happen is that cyber attacks started to you know, encroach upon these operational environments. And what you've had in the last decade is traditionally operational folks, we're talking about hard hats here, didn't really know how to secure those systems because they were built for to be maintenance-free. They were built for sustainability. They weren't built for security. So we've seen a big market created that provides hardware, software, services, that focus on the OT market. So where Security Gate came in is three to six years after all of the different hardware, what we call blocking and tackling solutions, were pushed into the OT market, we start to see some gaps identify, right? And so when you think about cybersecurity in any environment, it's about your people, it's about your processes, and it's about the technology that you have in place. And that trifecta of activities, that trifecta of investment, right? They got to be all synchronized. And so what we see is that particularly for energy companies, a lot of attention has been played to the technical tools, the blocking and tackling side. And so we still see a lot of room for improvement on the people in the process side as they interact with that technology. And so there's an opportunity for companies to expand and their, their understanding of how they approach the cybersecurity for these facilities that have traditionally not been under the responsibility of IT. Correct. Right. Yeah, that's, I mean, the whole topic of ITOT convergence right now is big in oil and gas, and it, it, it hits a whole bunch of different areas. And it happens to be that that OT environment that you're describing is really one of the most important aspects of digital transformation, because, I mean, you can pick up any Deloitte or McKinsey paper, and they're going to say that digital transformation in oil and gas right now is about doing things at the edge with the data that you have out there that you that you haven't done in the past. So in the big picture of digital transformation, why should cybersecurity be on the roadmap? If you walk into, I know you guys have worked with Chevron, if you walk into other places and everybody's got a digital roadmap, it's on the screen in many conference rooms. Do you see that cybersecurity is on those roadmaps a lot of times? And if not, like, why should it be there? specifically to digital transformation, right? Everybody knows you want your stuff to be secure. I think your question is, you know, are companies investing maybe more in cyber these days and why? Is yeah, well, that, yeah, that's a great question. Are they, do they have an awareness about this? Is it something that they realize that they need to emphasize? Yeah, I think it is emphasized because cyber attacks are happening, right. whether we recognize it or not. Sure. And so our perspective is, yeah. you know, they're happening, so we got to do something about it and make sure we're doing the right things. And so, yeah, I agree with, with Ashley because Be we see, yeah, we see a transition from a reactive approach to operational technology cybersecurity to a proactive. Okay. And so that model is, 
you have to have a fundamental underlying belief system that cybersecurity is important in general. And that has to come from the top and the bottom simultaneously. You know, it can't just be a board member saying cyber is important. Let's do something about it. Because what the people on, you know, the analyst level positions or directors are going to say, I need more budget. So we see budget allocation becoming kind of a very necessary line item on on the PL these days. And so I say to back to Ashley's point, you know, if you're going to do it, do it right. And I think part of that is taking a look at your the way that you're approaching cybersecurity. You know, we we like to believe that a discrete time-driven approach to cybersecurity assessments and remediation is kind of the old way of doing things. And now what we challenge the industry to think about is let's move to a dynamic events-based, a dynamic business context-based approach to cybersecurity. And I'll give you an example of that. If you saw in the Houston Chronicle this morning, there's some pipeline projects that are getting, you know, mm-hmm. either pushed off on a timeline or maybe they're getting canceled. We don't know all the rules, but we do know that, you know, investors on the short term are recognizing COVID is reducing demand, right? Right. So if you if you take a look at a pipeline company has done a cyber assessment every year for say the last five and they do it in May and they call in a consultant. That model probably worked back then, but if we could give a company the opportunity to say, you can reduce your cyber spend here, here, and here because of business changes, reallocate that limited human capital, the limited time and the limited financial input, and you could allocate it to somewhere else where you think, we're reinvesting in that downstream project because that project we know is going to go up. That's where the digital transformation footprint starts to evolve a little bit. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does make sense. So digital transformation, oil companies, oil and gas companies have been trying to tackle digital transformation for a couple of years. They first got serious about it. You know, after the last downturn, 2014, 2015, they used all the traditional methods to reduce costs and tighten their belts and streamline operations and things. That got them only so far, but it wasn't really good enough because it still wasn't creating enough shareholder value. So then they finally said, okay, let's take a look at digital and get serious about this digital transformation stuff. I mean, I remember just, it wasn't just a couple, three years ago, I was in places like Chevron where they said, well, to be honest, we're still sort of arguing. We're still at the arguing stage as far as what does digital transformation really mean. They've gotten way beyond that now, right? They're they're making progress. But people are still, many companies are still, you know, will candidly say, well, we're not making the progress that we'd like to make or that we thought we would make. And so how does cybersecurity and a good methodology and execution of that how does that help them be more broadly successful in those overall digital or how does it prevent them from being not successful right like how does it how does it contribute to that it's like nobody ever thanks the it person when your internet works right right yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i would say the same thing is is on the facilities side it's almost a form of insurance because you can't afford for your facility to go down for an unplanned event Right. Right, right. And they're happening. Yeah. You don't hear about them. So I think you have to look at, you know, there's a lot of benefits to going to a SaaS solution, a lot of benefits to investing in your technologies, but it's more than that. Yeah, definitely. I think it's a shift in the way that we think and looking at it being, you know, not only just time savings, but, you know, having the cost savings as well. 
and being able to identify where you're spending your time, where you're spending your budgets that you have, because everything is limited, limited resources, do more with less. So that whole mentality is how can we do that and make sure that we're aligning appropriately and we have our right priorities, that that's the biggest challenge that I think everyone's trying to tackle. Right. So I guess what you're getting at is the necessity to identify all the the various objectives and initiatives in your portfolio, Correct. prioritize them, mm-hmm. figure out which ones are going to give you the nearest benefit, the fastest ROI, because you're only going to get a few dollars that you're allowed exactly. to spend. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you produce ROI with those, maybe we'll give you a few more, right? And that is very different from the last downturn as well, because they just, they just shut everything down. Right? They, like, they stopped all the IT, new tech spend, types yeah. of initiatives. They just, they just shut it down completely. Well, this time they can't do that. So they didn't have to, you know, before they didn't really have to work through that prioritization problem. So do you guys have kind of a like a methodology or a framework for how to help people work through like, because I've seen that a lot. People are like, I have a little money. I'm afraid if I spend it on this, I'm going to wish I spent it on this or something's going to change. And I, how do I make the right decision? Yeah, we do. Usually we start off by identifying where they are in their maturity. Some are going to be, like we said, m- more accelerated. They've got larger budgets, bigger teams, dedicated resources. And then you have some that are working with little to no budget, maybe a one-man team trying to, like I said, roll out some type of cybersecurity program within their organization. So our team, we really are good about trying to just assess where, where you are in your maturity. We put plans together to figure out, okay, now that we've assessed through a baseline of where you are, your current state, through our experts, we can kind of go through and figure out help you prioritize. We have our own methodology within that will rank order some of the gaps that we've identified and then be able to have those intelligent conversations to really help you and your organization prioritize based off of what's going on within the organization and the guidelines that you have. And then, you know, the gaps that we've identified within that one. Yeah, I'll try and add some color to that from a different perspective. A lot of solutions that you buy in the cyberspace they lead with fear, right? They're like, oh, you, right, you have right. so many of your email addresses that are compromised and this is how many domains. And so the value proposition is, let me go in there and protect with what you sell, right? Sure. In this world, compliance, maturity, evolution of your cyber program, these are not sexy buzzwords, okay? Yeah. Everybody wants to protect <laughs> Sounds against, like it's gonna take a long time. Yeah, it yeah. Sound, oh man, yeah. that sounds like a lot of work, right? right. Yeah. So we kind of yeah. dive in on like, it's like, Imagine, so I'm into cars, right? And so imagine that you have a preventative maintenance cycle on your car, okay? You're gonna check the oil every once in a while, you're gonna check the air pressure in your tires. Maybe you go even further and check the spark plugs, right? So what Ashley's alluding to is that everybody has a different level of car, right? This one's carbureted, this one's fuel injected, that one is a race car. And the same thing can be applied to a cyber program, their maturity, their budgets, their people. And so instead of coming to market and saying, hey, here's a box and we're going to protect you and then you can sleep well at night. I think that was like the late 90s, early 2000s. Where securitygate.io came in, we said, look, our job is not to try to protect against every known threat out in the world. It's to help you go if you're in a prepare phase where you haven't done an assessment yet, then you can have a really light touch software solution to help you choose that framework and get your first assessment done. And that's a big win. Let's celebrate it, right? To another company in the other side of the earth, they may have already done 16 or 17 assessments last year, and they're looking to accelerate it by transitioning away from a spreadsheet. And they want to see all their facilities with a risk score 
and then their experience is different because it's a comparative approach saying these 10 facilities are relatively the same, but these three other facilities, I need to focus my efforts there. And then for other folks that are really accelerated, they want integrations with all the other technical tools right. that they have, and they yeah. want to know, now I want to go away from that, we're going to do assessments every year, and now we're going to do a dynamic approach. And that would be like you know, an OnStar system telling you when you have yeah. tires, right? So, I mean, you can really apply back to preventative maintenance cycles. We are, in a lot of ways, a preventative maintenance cybersecurity software that helps you know where you need to focus your efforts next. And so, yeah, we have some of our own methodologies. We also take methodologies like IEC 62443, NIST, ISO, BIMCO, C2M2, CMMC. These are frameworks that are out in the world, but people due to a cyber brain drain, Mm. like there's just not enough people that know how to use them or budgets don't allow somebody to take a 300 page framework and make sense of it. Right. And so that cost savings, that time savings, you know, that's where we kind of slide in. We're like, hey, we we sort of built this for you. Take a look at it. And, And I think that more energy companies as well as other industrial sectors are kind of going back to what Ashley said. They are required today, based on your point, that they have to have a shift in thinking because they already went through one round of let's save cash. Right. Now they have to think in a totally different way. Right. Right. And you know, our, our challenge is to learn from our customers because I don't think it's going to go away. Right. You know, and learn from our customers and you know, what are you going to need in the next year and the next follow-on year? Because if we can apply some level of productization to that thinking and speed it up and make it more efficient for people. That's our challenge. Yeah, that's good. So you just hit on something that I was saying. That we have a saggy microphone stand today, that's so okay. we have to keep it. If, you, it's if, all hear, good. if we hear rumbling, that's what it is. So I was just thinking about that product, bringing tech, new tech into the picture. Some people would say, boy, the last thing we need, need is like more pieces of technology in, this, in, in the mix when we think about digital transformation. Everything that you've been talking about so far is sort of a more, I guess I would call from an advisory perspective, right? So there's me- so there's there's methodologies for how you go about assessing and doing like risk mitigation and things yep. like that. There's also models and methodologies for implementation, right? People in oil and gas right now are talking a lot about like the Purdue model. and But I also, I know in the people I talk to, they feel like, they're in these environments if you know i'm getting this product from this company and this thing and that and i got to stitch all these things together and script a bunch of stuff and which really goes against the good principles of security because for security you want simplicity right you don't want more moving pieces and more so and you mentioned you saw some gaps when you first started getting into this and and you do have some product i assume you didn't want to just be like another me too security product out there so so what was your strategy for how to sit for saying all right this is a piece of tech that people that's going to make it better not worse in that world well i think with us our main goal right is to bring together that ot and it world into one we leverage the ability with integrations for others so can see us as kind of that single pane of glass for a lot of different data points when it comes to cybersecurity. So you can you have some of the data points from SecurityGate, but then other systems and tools, like you said, everyone's right want to eliminate all of these other systems that you have to go log in and figure out what's my holistic view, what's my current status, where do we stand, how do we compare one location versus another, where do we prioritize our our time and resources? And so for us to be able to service both the IT and the OT world into one platform, 
through different. So that's huge, actually. That's I mean, a you, big you said task. that in a very simple sentence, but that's not it's a, a big, small accomplishment. Yes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So when we came on the market, we were, in total truth, we were aiming at a lot of IT folks because the OT world was really evolving. It was it was evolving because there were a lot of there's probably three four hundred million dollars of capital raised behind OT specific companies, and you know where I think we benefited was watching them evolve and watching them. And we have, you know, great partnerships and, and friendships within that industry because it's pretty small. But now what we start to see, and you can see with this, with some of the acquisitions that are online, right, is you've got a lot of OT product companies that are starting to experience markets consolidation. So you've got Microsoft that bought CyberX, you've got Tenable that bought Indigy. So what you're starting to see is, to your point, people like going to one place to get more of their software hardware tools. And we see some really big companies out there that I think are positioned to get in the OT space and super exciting. So from a timing perspective, from my vantage point, my, my goal for the company is to make sure that when we enter a certain market, when we grow the team, when we you know, either raise more capital or take on a new sector, that there's macroeconomic things happening that make sure. it the best timing, right? And that's the game. The game is, to Ashley's point, create a platform, deliver that platform that brings OT and IT together. That's a huge undertaking. And I would say, you know, from my vantage point, we're leading in that effort comparatively with a lot of the other IT sold tools. Well, at the exact same time, product focus is so important in a product company. You have to be able to focus, laser focus on a sector, laser focus on a value proposition. And so you're always balancing between, do we want to go and take over a huge market share, but be less focused in our delivery of value. Because right. there's a big difference between an IT-based organization, say retail, healthcare, and you know the chemical industry. And right. Manufacturing. Exactly, right? Utilities, right? Et so right. we chose for a lot of reasons to really focus on, you know, the, you know, what is really a, just under 20 sectors of critical infrastructure. And that's where we live. But I would be lying to you if I told you that IT-based companies and IT leaders didn't jump on board too because they want that same they want the software. Same thing, sure. So, you know, it's a balance. We see market consolidation between OT and IT as a known fact moving forward. I mean, more IT companies are going to be scooping up these OT companies. It's not going to be the other way around, I don't think. That's interesting. Yeah. I wonder if they all know what they're getting into. Although I think it's, I mean, I'm thinking about the customers. It just occurred to me that customer success for you means making people happy and successful on both sides of that line, right? right? Which hasn't really been- Well, sometimes well, she wears a hard hat and then other times right. she's, she's yeah. in front yeah. of five computer screens. Knowing you know? the audience and knowing who we're working with. And then in some cases, those can be separate, but then there will be times where we're bringing everyone together right. in the room to then figure out our plan of action. And so. some people don't really want everybody in the room and others do. <laughs> right. yeah. Ashley's got a tough job, right? And so do the product folks. Yeah. Because when you build a feature, different you know, features, who's the real persona? Features. Is it somebody that is in a yeah. hard hat environment that their time is most valuable? Or is it somebody sure. that is in a computer environment and that's where the insights different. are more valuable? Right. And so, I mean, that's our challenge and we carry it, I think, pretty well. But that's also why we see some companies not really succeeding as wildly as they may want it to. You know, it's a lot of it comes down to timing. A lot of it comes down to, you know, the first couple of years out of the gate. We have been really, really grateful. We yeah. continue to be grateful because we had some pretty incredible first users, first early adopters in our first couple of years that really were honest with us and told us what they wanted that unique experience to look like. And, you know, if there's anything that I can personally say to the energy community is that securitygate.io has benefited holistically from 
really large companies taking a risk on a, on a new software platform out there. And we can speak to the value of this, you know, particularly Houston ecosystem working together. You know, it's about taking that innovative step to say, we need to do this a little bit different. And, and we've really benefited from that. And so, you know, my hat's off to the energy community, regardless of what's happening from a macroeconomic perspective. Right. There's just so many great leaders in the oil and gas industry that are willing to try new things. And we're, we're benefiting from it. And we take that charge very seriously. Yeah. And I would say, too, sharing lessons learned. You know, a lot of our clients will say, man, and if, if only I could have shared, you know, some of those hard times or those challenges that we experienced five years ago through the maturity of the organizations that they're in so that others don't have to experience the same pains. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, it's a community. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and then they wish in return to, have, you know, be able to receive some of that for others that might be five years ahead of them because it's all about sharing best practices and you know, giving heads up on what to come when you're at a certain stage of building your programs or prioritizing, you know, different initiatives that you may have. I would say that, you know, to Ted's point, the community is so strong and the fact that we just encourage everyone to keep sharing what you've learned, what's worked for you, because you never know those tips can be useful for for the next person. Yeah. You guys actually just did a beautiful job of like kind of like bringing us because we're just about out of time. And that's a really nice note to end on, which is that and you're touching on something that in the industry, in this industry, even just a few years ago, the idea of collaborating and sharing and things like that wasn't mm. so mm. popular. Right. Right. But that has changed a lot for lots of reasons, obviously. And so it works out really well for this particular discipline of that you guys are working in because, yeah, that's something that you do want to be able to learn from other people because ultimately you're not only protecting your individual company, but you're protecting the industry as a whole. It is an ecosystem. It's an ecosystem. It is an ecosystem. And and another really nice thing that you guys just said is about the great leadership and the people in this industry. It's funny, every time there's disruption in this industry, there's a whole bunch of people outside in other parts of the world that are like calling trying to call the demise and the destruction of oil and gas. Like, this is it for them. They're not going to be able to pull out of this one, right? And it's sort of like, you know, it always makes me think of, like, the old, like, Top Gun. Like, it doesn't matter what kind of a spiral he's in. Like, he always manages to pull out of it. This industry is always finds, the the leadership always finds ways to innovate and to succeed. And now it happens to be doing some new things like collaborating and investing in brand new software platforms that they never would have done, right, in the past. So I think you're right. I think the timing is really good for you guys and you're taking a good approach. I think it's rallying and it's just, like you said, it's opening up your mind to think in different ways, being more open to something that, like you said, would never have been considered five, 10 years ago, but now you're being forced to hear it out, learn about it, maybe even consider it for something that will evolve where you are from today in the future. Perfect. Okay. So if people want to know more about either about you guys individually or about the company or about anything that you're involved with, where do they look? They can visit our website, which is www.securitygate.io. We've got a lot of great information there. And then we also are on LinkedIn. 
So securitygate.io for more information about our organization and and what we do. Personally, if you'd like to connect, I'm also on LinkedIn and Ashley Garcia at securitygate.io. You're very easy to find on LinkedIn. I found you with no problem. So that's very Ashley and Ted, I assume the same. Anything else you want to direct people to? No, I direct us all to kind of grasp hands together. And whether it's in COVID or whether it's low oil prices, we've got a challenge for the next couple quarters ahead of us. And if you're at a stage in your cyber journey, whether you're very early or you're very late, if there's an opportunity that you even think you could succeed with a little bit more efficiency, we'd love to talk. So appreciate what you're doing. Appreciate what the industry is doing. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, no, thanks for having me to your office. It's very cool here. Couple of things. Oh, by the way, I will put all of that info that you just gave me in the show notes so people can look it up afterward. Also, I want to mention our new sponsor, which is Cognite. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Cognite. They're doing some great, amazing things with industrial data to basically make it more intuitive and usable by real humans. I'm going to have more information on them here soon because they are, they're a brand new sponsor. They just started this month. Also, we are still doing product reviews. So if anybody wants to send a product, like a technology product that you know I'll review it or Mark will review it, Please no like heavy iron or like drill bits or anything like that. We can't, it's gotta be something that we can test out in our homes, but we'll do a review, we'll put it on the show. Also, I gotta mention this thing called the Street Team, which is the Oil and Gas Global Network Street Team, which is now being run by Warren. And even though we're not we're like really out on the street physically right now, they're still out on the street virtually and they are using some cool ways. There's a Facebook group and some other things that they're doing. So if you want to get involved and do something to kind of help the industry and, and help OGGN, that's something that you can get involved with. That is it. I really appreciate you guys being on the show today. Appreciate you making time. Really interesting stuff. We'll probably talk about it for longer. Maybe we'll do a part two at, at some point, especially if you have a... It'd be interesting to see as you go along how people are maturing. Maybe in six months we say, how does the industry look now compared to how it looked then? That would be interesting. Very good. Thank you. And audience, we are making sure that you do not get left behind one episode at a time. And here are the events on deck. Hey everybody, it's Savannah from OGGN and here are the events on deck for October 2020. The first five events I'm going to list off are all online, so to start off the month we've got the Women Offshore Conference, which is an online interactive event on October 2nd and October 9th. Second, we've got SparkCon, which stars our very own Mark LaCour as keynote speaker, and that one starts on October 5th and goes through the 9th. Third, we have the OilCom Conference and Exposition from October 13th through the 15th. Fourth, we have the Ignite Talks with Cognite from October 27th through the 29th. And to close off the online events, we have the SPE Annual Technical Conference and Exhibition, or ATCE, on the same dates as the Ignite Talks, which is October 27th through the 29th. Next, these two events for October are in person. First, we have the Energy API Golf Tournament on October 12th at the Kingwood Country Club. And next, we have the Energy API 30th Annual Sporting Clays Tournament on October 30th at the American Shooting Center. Lastly, and most importantly, we have our OGGN live streams. This month, we have three going out, so make sure to tune into those. First, we have Maintaining Critical Infrastructure During Lockdown on October 1st. Next, we have Material Reductions in Downtime that flow to the bottom line on October 15th. And last, we have Strategic Opportunities to Right-Sizing GNA and Achieving Free Cash Flow on October 29th. Now, these dates for the live stream shouldn't be changing, but they may, so make sure to keep up to date on these events by checking out the OGG on Facebook, LinkedIn, or website for more info. That should be all for October, so I hope you guys have a great month, and thank you for tuning in. Check us out next week for another entertaining and yet useful episode of Oil & Gas Tech Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. 
Learn more at OGGN.com. <laughs>